Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As this storm continues to move across the Midwest, may you be safe. May your livestock be safe. As we think about everybody having to be out and about uh, in this weather as the front continues to move eastward. But the front does bring moisture. And that's bringing some excitement from the cattle side of it as we look at what's been happening in their trade as of late. And even for the, for the grain side, many hoping for this moisture as we get closer to spring. But having said that, Production decreases come out of South America. We'll dive into what's going on there. Still some concerns with China and COVID and the Black Sea region. We knew there were some things happening in the early part of our daytime here that has had an effect overall on this trade. We'll take a look at all that and a whole lot more today with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stone X and we'll start out. I just want to briefly talk about this moisture because I think anytime we start to get some moisture amounts, agriculture becomes more optimistic. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we're so dependent on the moisture levels in that top six inches of the uh, of the soil profile. You know, obviously we want it deeper than that. Um, but our livelihood in agriculture really depends on that top six inches. And uh, what's present there from a standpoint of nutrients and water. And so after the drought that we've just come through in many parts of the southern plains, particularly probably the southwestern third of the Plains hard red winter wheat belt still in significant drought. We hope that that moisture continues to extend down south right on into the Texas panhandle. Um, but things are turning, and it looks like La Nina is finally going to end, not with a certainty yet, but we're seeing some early signs of that. And uh, hopefully that will bring us a weather pattern that uh, it makes moisture a little bit more abundant. Uh, one of the interesting things about that, though, as we go forward, if you look at other years, when you get a La Nina flipping to an El Nino, then the models are, are starting to lean more and more that way by some point this summer or fall that we get into El Nino conditions. That does tend to favor production overall in the Midwest. It may be a dry pocket or two here, um, but it also tends to give a wet spring to the Midwest, especially central and eastern parts of the Midwest. So that's a risk that we'll be watching for as well, kind of flipping from one extreme to the other. Well, speaking of one extreme to the other, shouldn't come as any surprise that we saw a reduction in some numbers coming out of South America. Yeah, certainly so. Um, and the market was really watching to see what USDA would do with this. Um, it's still relatively early in the growing season, especially in Argentina. They're just kind of completing their planting season now. Although some of the early crops they planted all the way back in October and November. So obviously those crops have been hurt the worst by the drought. Uh, the ones that they're planting now have the opportunity to benefit greatly if the weather pattern does change and La Nina ends and the rains return. Um, but when we look at what USDA did is, uh, it took its, uh, Argentina's corn crop down to 52 million metric tons, down from 55 million metric tons previously. One million metric tons would be about just a little under 40 million bushels for a little bit of reference there. Soybeans, it went from 49.5 down to 45.5 million metric tons. Now, some of the uh, private sources we've talked to say that the corn is probably hurt worse than the soybeans at this point because more of the corn was planted early and soybeans have an ability to respond to late rains if they come. Um, so I was a little bit curious about uh, USDA 
cutting soybeans more first. And even Rosario Grain Exchange has been very aggressive in cutting their soybean production estimate. They came out with an estimate of 37 million metric tons. Uh, the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange is at 41 million metric tons. And as I said, uh, USDA is at 45.5 million metric tons. We do expect these numbers to go down in February and perhaps in March as well with more significant cuts. We are seeing some signs of a pattern change, and uh, the forecast models are showing increasing chances of rain with greater coverage as we get into the last week of this month. And they continue to verify and move forward, pull those reins forward. So it's looking a little bit more encouraging. And uh, that would certainly fit with the end of La Nina if that were to happen. And I think that's one of the reasons that we saw weakness in the board today, that plus some other factors at play. Um, now, I want to focus on soybeans here for a little bit. If we take that worst-case scenario of soybeans at 37 million metric tons, and it's actually uh, Brazil, most notably, at 153 million metric tons. And see what's South America as a whole going to produce in the way of soybeans. Well, that comes to 202.29 million metric tons. So you think, okay, with that sharply lower Argentine crop, that must be down from last year. Well, that's still up from last year, 23.9 million metric tons which translates to 878 million bushels. So if we take Rosario Grain Exchange's low production estimate and we use that and we do a little bit of a cut for Paraguay because they're dry there as well and for Uruguay and we use the current common estimate for Brazil, which a lot of the private estimates are right around that area, 153 million metric tons, we're still looking at nearly a 900 million bushel increase in South American production. Now, some of it's going to have to flow south, but uh, that's looking good right now. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We come back, we'll continue to take a look at what's happening globally, how that's going to be affecting what we see in the rest of this week's market trade after having, obviously, Monday off for the holiday. We'll look at the Black Sea region, what's going on there, China and COVID. And that's more of a double edge, both from a grain perspective and a livestock perspective when it comes to some import-export opportunities. We'll also look at the cattle on feed report that comes out on Friday and some exciting news as well. Might be happening in this cattle market. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. Let's get another Fontenelle feature, this time with Lynn Junk. Lynn and his wife Michelle run Junk Seeds near Carroll, Nebraska. Lynn, you say being a dealer for Fontenelle has been enjoyable. How so? My uh, favorite part about it is getting to uh, help my customers, which most of them are family, friends, and neighbors, to make good decisions out in the field and to help them bring more dollars home. Let's talk about performance. How has Fontenelle performed on your own farm? The Fontenelle products on my farm have performed very well. The main thing I've been able to see is a consistency between the different hybrids and allowing me to have more flexibility on placement. It's nice to have numbers that are able to go in and out of difficult acres but yet perform well on your better soils on the farm. It's just been very good and quite frankly it's increased my profit. That's Fontenelle dealer Lynn Junk. For more information you can always contact Junk Seeds in the Carroll, Nebraska area or any local Fontenelle hybrids dealer. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Sudom with StoneX. So we kind of were talking about the, all the global happenings that were, especially to Southern, uh, South America, that is. Let's look at the Black Sea region. What are some new things that you're hearing out of there, and especially as the, the war continues, and they had some, some issues happening this morning? Well, the Black Sea continues to be a battlefield um, between Russia and Ukraine, obviously. And there are evidences that uh, Russia may be regrouping and rebuilding its military. It has a tendency to throw masses of people at things, uh, not necessarily well-trained or quality, but uh, masses of people. And so it's talking about enlarging its military right now. It's really losing support at home from what we're able to learn for this prolonged war with some wanting them to just end it and some wanting to uh, say, okay, devote enough resources to actually win it. But the bottom line, though, is it continues to linger with Russia sending missiles deep into Ukraine from border to border, hitting infrastructure, hitting critical water and electricity sources, making life pretty miserable. And that is impacting agriculture, making it very difficult for them to produce. What we've seen is basically a 30 to 40 percent reduction, depending on the crop, this last year in production due to lack of acreage, loss of acreage, loss of inputs, etc., loss of yield as a result of loss of inputs. And it looks like we'll see a similar type of reduction this coming year as well, depending on how this war continues to play out. Moving from crops from more intense input crops to more lighter input crops, in other words, toward more oil seeds. With the oil seeds that get more of a concentrated yield at a higher value that's in demand in overseas markets now, and so produce fewer bushels, so to speak, for a higher value per bushel with lower input costs. So it means more sunflowers, more soybeans, more uh, rapeseed, those types of things. So less wheat, less corn overall. And so the bottom line is we did see Ukraine able to export this year as the grain initiative opened up those channels and they continued to move things over land to the west. But that was, they were largely exporting, not just what they produced this year, but what they had still left over from the previous year in storage. That's going to continue to decline year in and year out now and going to become more of a challenge. And so we're going to see a big portion of the world's breadbasket reducing production, primarily of wheat and of corn going forward. And we'll see how much that expands in other parts of the world. But that's going to keep us tight. And uh, so that's something we're monitoring, keeping our eyes on. So let's take a look at, at COVID um, expansion that's happening in China. With your boots on the ground with staffers, um, I'm sure you get a better insight as to how this is going to affect agriculture. Yeah, certainly so. Um, and I think it's not so much from the supply side, but the demand side is the expectation. And uh, uh, what we're seeing is their economy is rebounding much faster than what was expected. Originally, when China opened the doors, we thought maybe by the second half of this year, we would see China's economy come back. But we already saw when they were opening the door and COVID was 
rapidly spreading across the country that people were out spending money and we saw a bump in their economic growth right at the end of uh, the end of the year in December even as covid was spreading now covid's had a big impact and the impact still hasn't all been told but after three years of restrictions people are really anxious to travel they're anxious to get back into restaurants we're seeing lines uh, restaurants grow once again and so as herd immunity continues to build and COVID is spreading across the country um, I think yeah there's still a lot of questions about what the actual death toll is especially in rural areas where there's less health care etc and we'll probably never know the answers to that but the overall economy seems to be bouncing back quicker so we're expecting larger consumption of meat in the coming year expectations that pork imports will start to rise again as we go deeper into this year maybe in the second half of this year um, maybe inputs for corn will increase <clears throat> perhaps soybeans although brazil is going to be well positioned for much of that uh, certainly energy expectations that uh, China may be responsible for an increase in demand for crude oil of 900,000 to a million barrels per day and I've seen it, some estimates even higher than that um, and in fact when you look at global crude oil demand could go up almost 2 million barrels per day and, and it's generally thought output can't expand that much so energy prices could go up and that could impact fertilizer as well. All right. Well, don't forget, folks, there is a cattle on feed report coming out later this week. We'll talk more about it on our program, The Cattle Call. In the meantime, Arlen, best way for folks to get a hold of you? Stonex.com or over on Twitter, ArlenFF101. All right. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.